my fellow fallible humans. My name is Tanya McIntyre. Welcome to the Red Roof Recovery Show, an addiction recovery program to soften the path of recovery from substance and behavioral addictions. Red Roof Recovery is founded on what has worked for me in my sustainable recovery, and they are the principles of CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, along with a few other tools of therapy, most of which can be considered evidence-based solutions that are customized for you. This is all about you. My addiction is different than your addiction. We're all different animals, and our recovery path is going to be different for us. There are literally hundreds of tools to choose from. The key is to find whatever works for you to abstain from harmful substances and behaviors. And once you find that, just grab on with both hands and do more of it, Uh, assuming, of course, that it's something good for you. I'm very grateful that you're going to be spending the next 30 minutes with me as I share my experience around my own recovery from drugs and alcohol. I'm also grateful to have my partner and best friend with me, Sir Lancelot, is back He's my husband of more than three decades. Even saying that sometimes is like, what? Where did that time go? And he's lived with me through my addictions. So he can offer some perspective to family members who are living with someone in addiction. And speaking of that, actually, most of the inquiries that I do get are from family members who are trying to help their loved ones. And the sad reality of all of that is that it breaks my heart to hear the stories, and a lot of people just need to be heard, for sure, and I'm grateful to extend that empathetic ear. But there is very, very little you can do to help someone, whether it's a family member or a friend that is struggling with addictions. The only thing you can do is keep in mind the airplane analogy, right? When we're flying in that metal tube, And when we're giving the instructions, if the air cabin pressure changes and that oxygen mask falls down from the ceiling, we are instructed. Even if you have children with you, you need to put the mask on yourself first. You can't help anyone until you help yourself first. It's a difficult concept for people to grasp, right? We're living in a society where uh, it's considered selfish to do something for yourself, especially if you're a parent. The thought of putting the oxygen mask on yourself first before your children is just It's a foreign concept for people. One of the tools that I use to hone and practice my communication skills, and communication is a skill, and it's something that I spent a couple of decades doing as my profession as a broadcaster, but I am always reminded that my communication skills are always evolving and changing with different circumstances and people. Because oftentimes when I say something, it is not being received by the person the way I had intended its message. So we need to be really uh, clear around communication. So much of the problems in our world are from miscommunication and unnecessary divisions, I think. So I'm really a, a big fan of something called SMART Recovery. SMART is an acronym for self-management and recovery training. I became a facilitator with SMART in 2018. And it's based on cognitive behavioral therapies. I love it because I have managed to sustain my recovery since 2018. So it works for me. Um, I was indoctrinated by 12-step programs when I first went into recovery in 2009. And, you know, I'd be fine for a couple of years. But I'd relapse again and again and again every couple of years. And I thought, oh, my gosh. You know, I was watching peers in in the groups of NA and AA not returning from their relapses. And it frightened me. I thought, well, it's just going to be a matter of time before I don't come back from one of mine. 
And I wanted to bring something to my community that offered an alternative for, for people who just weren't grasping, resonating with the 12-step programs. So I really like SMART, Self-Management and Recovery Training. It was founded in 1994 in Mentor, Ohio. It's growing exponentially now across the globe. And they have a division for family and friends. And in that uh, family and friends uh, teachings and tools and techniques of communication is something called PIUS. It's an acronym I share with family members all the time. And I know how much Lance loves acronyms. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about how um, we use this, perhaps even unconsciously in our communication because of my training in cognitive behavioral therapy with SMART. So PIUS is an acronym, and if you do want this handy-dandy template, I will uh, email it to you. Just send me an email at redroofrecovery at gmail.com. Because the way we talk to our loved ones sets the tone for how they're going to respond, normally react to what it is we're saying. So if we plan our conversations first around our loved ones, and this is just not for addictions, this is for life. Very much so. When we plan our conversations, especially the difficult, crucial conversations that we need to have with our loved ones, and you know, we discuss why is it so difficult for us to have conversations with our loved ones? Well, it's the most difficult thing to do. I mean, because we care about our loved ones, our friends, our family, our spouses. I mean, it's quite easy to pull up someone on something that they're doing wrong if we, if we don't know them or if we don't particularly like them, that's fairly easy. But a lot of time, we think that if we point something out, it could hurt their feelings, it could damage the relationship. So there's a trepidation in, in bringing the subject up. Mm, and then a lot of communication now in this digital age is done by texting, well, that's, which is that's always never, a bad idea yeah. when, when heightened emotions are involved. I just ended up estranged from a dear friend for a week because of a ridiculous text exchange that was going on. And it's like, ah, it's like I yeah, just... Texting, email, any type of electronic um, communication that isn't, if you can't see or talk to the person where you can get inflection and instantaneous feedback. And there's no ramification with, I mean, it's a bit like the car analogy. There's no way if you were walking down the street and someone did something that you would scream and shout and blow an air horn at them. But when you sit in your little metal box, everyone does it. They're all, ah, ah. It's because we feel safe and we're disconnected from it. Well, that's yeah. what digital communication does. It disconnects you from the other person. Mm -hmm. So people feel empowered. They feel actually they can say anything without any recourse. Well, I think it's called keyboard warriors now. Ah. Yes. I'm afraid I don't it's, it's go in for the digital stuff, so. Yeah. Well, there's an easy way to avoid those miscommunications, and that is to plan your conversation. In smart recovery uh, meetings, in most recovery circles, you will hear acronyms and slogans all the time. And I love the slogans of 12-step meetings. I still go to 12-step meetings because I love the peer support. It's an excellent personal development program. So they have slogans like, take what you need and leave the rest. Live one day at a time. So there's a lot of stuff that can be helpful if you can accept what you need and leave the rest. 
And practice the P's is another one. Planning, practice, patience, persistence. So let's talk about pious in our let's. communication. <laughs> I know you're, you're thrilled about this uh, yet another acronym that we can use. So the P is for positive statements in your conversation. Avoid negative comments whenever you can. The I in pious is to use I statements to help you communicate your needs and wishes and do it without blaming, shaming, or complaining or criticizing the other person. The you of pious is to listen and reflect back exactly what you've heard. You want to show your loved one that you understand their point of view and you respect their point of view, even if you don't agree with it. Really, really important. S of pious. When you accept and share responsibility, you demonstrate to your loved one that you can understand and acknowledge your part in the problem as well. And that can go a long way in breaking the conflict cycle. What's my part in all of this? Acknowledge it, accept it, and share it. So, for instance, when communicating a boundary request, and, um, you know, we talk about this boundary word. How is the word making you feel? This word boundary comes up a lot. I don't like it. I have no problem with it. You don't? What do you think of this, uh, this template for conversations? Good. Yeah? yeah? Even though it's an acronym, you can accept that? <laughs> my, my problem with the acronyms is you say the acronym, and then you actually say the words afterwards. Right. Uh, and so the acronym is redundant. Well, no, it makes I, it I, memorable. Not for me. <laughs> well, hopefully it's making it memorable for you. So we want to be positive using I statements, understanding. We want to express understanding to the other person, share responsibility. So when communicating a mutual respect line. <laughs> a boundary, yeah. <laughs> you can say something like, uh, oh, and decide when you're going to have the conversation is, is another huge part, right? You don't want to do it while somebody's inebriated. So when you, and be specific around the behavior, don't take out the garbage. <laughs> I feel like you aren't respecting me. Uh, request, can I ask you to be considerate and take out the garbage from now on? So remember, it's when you, I feel, and I'm asking you to what you want to change the behavior. Now, one person's boundary or mutual respect line cannot make another person change. But it may give them some good reason to choose to change, but they always retain their own power of choice, of course. We may not like it if they choose not to change, but we would do very well to accept that they have the right to choose for themselves. Our power of choice includes our ability to let them know how their behaviors are impacting us. In 12-step programs, I often kind of half-jokingly say that uh, there was a prayer, and it's called the serenity prayer in 12-step meetings. And it goes like, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I put a little twist on that when I became involved with SMART. And I say, grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, the courage to change the one I can, and the wisdom to know that it's me. <laughs> it's the only person we can change. Right, and there's great power in knowing that the only thing we can control in our lives is ourselves. I wonder who said that. Mm -hmm. So we, we can stop the damage to the relationship by building this, uh, and even building, right? We don't want to erect a boundary, so to speak. We want to draw a mutual respect line. I, that's so dirty. 
<laughs> softer, less confrontational. Mutual respect. Do you feel it's more fluid than a? Well, you know, life because is fluid. Because you see boundary right? as a, of, as a fence. Yeah, an ultimatum kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And how are words making you feel? It's a huge thing. It's how the, are they making you feel? How, how do you think it's being received by the other person? Well, this is why you have to communicate with the person, and they have to communicate to you that um, they've understood what you've said in a way that you. Because it is fluid. Mm. The, way we, the way we receive information is different. Absolutely. And you know, when you're talking, the problem, I think, when you're talking to a loved one, as I say, you, there are certain expectations. You want to make them happy in that. As in my decision not to go through with the smart training. Right. Because it, it wasn't working for me. Mm. But... It took me several days before the opportunity and I felt ready to say it isn't working for me because there was an expectation for you. You were excited for me. I was very excited for you. And there was an expectation that, oh, this is going to be great. And I, but it just wasn't working for no. me. And it's so important to recognize that it's not working for you and then communicate it. Yeah. But as I say, if I didn't like you, I would have had no problem saying, no. Nah. Not for me, but because you were excited and you really were looking forward to that whole dialogue about acronyms and <laughs> I, I, I felt bad that I was going to disappoint you, which is what we do as, you know, enablers with people in their addiction, mm. but also in just normal relationship. Yeah. We don't like those those conversations that could potentially make our loved one unhappy or, or point out some what we feel is a deficit in their life, mm -hmm. which could be better. It's a very difficult situation talking to someone you love. Absolutely. And you being a parent, I never had the, uh, the courage to actually be a parent because it's the most important job in the world. I never felt up to the task. So with you being a parent, now that you are communicating with your adult children, do you find any conflicts arising that you need to step away from and plan the conversation? No. I think we've, uh, as you pointed out, part of the dynamic between me and my children is I've, I've lived in Canada for 30 years now. Mm. So there's, there's a degree of separation. Right. As in the consequences of what one says isn't as immediate. There have been hard conversations, which, you know, estranged one of my daughters and I for several years because she expected something and I, I didn't agree with what she wanted. Mm -hmm. And we had the... But I feel as, as they've, they've got older and their life experience has, has grown, the conversations have got easier. So I'm sure that um, a lot of your behavior from a child's perspective, um, especially because you left the country um, to live with another woman, even though you had been divorced from their mother for a couple of years, I'm sure that behavior would have been construed as selfish. Oh, yeah. 
by my parents as well. Right. So how do you how do you draw the draw the line of mutual respect uh, between selfishness as a parent and self care? So we were talking about the airplane analogy, and a parent's inability to take care of themselves before they take care of their children, even their adult children. It's it's something that comes up all the time. Is that there, can you help my my adult child with their addiction? No, and neither can you. No. And, and the thing about leaving the country is the airplane analogy. You know, being a, being a weekend parent and <clears throat> everything that goes along with that, having no control over the way the kids were being brought up. My ex-wife was with her long-time now husband, who I've got no, you know, although, you know, that's what changed our marriage mm -hmm. they've, they've been together and he brought my, my kids up and I'm very grateful because he, he did it very well not the same as I would have done so there was a whole dynamic there and there comes a point where you've got to say is this doing me harm the same way as in any relationship is, is the relationship bringing something to me or taking something away from me. Right. And that's where the cost-benefit analysis comes in very handy. Yes. Yeah. It's another template that I'm happy to <laughs> mail you if you'd like to have that, where you look at the costs and benefits of continuing something and the costs and benefits of not continuing something. So you can use it uh, not just around addictions, but around any difficult... Um, yeah. So I had a conversation with my parents because I have a brother with addictions uh, a couple of years ago before they died and there was a conversation about how it should be handled you know he was totally dependent on on them and I said you you need to step away and I, the conversation was well we can't we can't and I said well they were coming up to 80 years old I said I'm afraid you're not going to be around for so would it be better to step away now so you do have the ability to give some support even if it's only moral support or do you let it go to the point where you're gone and there is no support and he's got to traverse that so is it selfish to step away from from that I didn't think so but a lot of people do they, f they feel that you know saying this isn't good for me, and it's not good for you. Society says it's selfish hmm. to step away from it. But is it, really? A couple of um, definitions for selfish and self-care that have come up in recovery circles that I like a lot, actually, to help people kind of extend that bridge to start taking care of themselves first. Selfish is putting your wants above others' needs. Self-care is putting your needs above others' wants. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. And I think once parents hear that, they, they say, oh, yeah, okay. I can embrace that a little. I can, I can get there. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a different, different ballgame when you're dealing with adult children who are taking advantage of parents and parents who are continuing to enable them. But that happens in 
relationships as well. Not just addictions, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always said there's, there's always one person in a relationship that makes more concessions than the other. Mm. Now, if the one person making the concessions is okay with that, then there's no problem. Right. The problem Guess is who that would be in this relationship. <laughs> However, if people don't communicate when the concession is too much and they let it fester, then that is, that's a recipe for disaster. It is. Then we get into what we've discussed before. Resentments grow. The points stored up for a later date. Mm-hmm. And you know the, the relationship, be it a marriage, uh, a close friend with addiction. If you're storing points up because you feel slighted, it's not going to end well. Right. Another great saying is um, measuring a relationship with a scoreboard never works because it's impossible to live up to the subjective calculations of another. But from the other point of view as well is what I found in my other relationship was that when the end came, I was blamed, oh, you've never forgiven me. Well, I had forgiven that person. The trouble is, you never forget. You can forgive and not forget. Mm. It's not a scoring thing, but if you've been hurt in the relationship, you never forget that hurt. You can forgive the hurt, but it's always there. It's a learned experience. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a hard one to get over. Absolutely. When you have been deceived in relationships, it's very difficult to go into the next relationship not carrying the baggage of that hurt and deception and lies and cheating. Yeah. Um, again, with people in addictions, I mean... I to say most most of your life is a lie. You you hide. You you know you don't expose what you're doing to your partner. So when you're in recovery, the family member thinks it's great. Mm. But there's always that you know. I'm just going for a walk past the liquor store, and it's like it's like there is a learnt behaviour that. She could have walked the other way. Why is she going past the liquor store? Yeah. Yeah. So there's always a, like I say, you don't forget things. You forgive, you move on, but it's very difficult to stop that learned behavior. Yes. And that's, you know, that's the sad reality is that the past is going to follow us forever. Even more nowadays with the advent of the internet because nothing ever gets <laughs> it never forget. goes away and so that's why acceptance is such a huge part mm-hmm. it has been for uh, my recovery and not just acceptance of myself acceptance of others and acceptance of life as it is but it it's unconditional right yeah yeah unconditional we have to get to the unconditional part and I often laugh about uh, the French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre. I'm kind of on the same page with him, that hell is other people. I love the fact that SMART has taken these little 
snippets of cognitive behavioral therapy, and they've put, put them into uh, like three, four, five-minute videos, and they're called recovery tips or tips and tools for recovery that works. So go on to YouTube, look up Smart Recovery, and then go into the playlist, Tips and Tools for Recovery That Works. And uh, my, one of my favorites is Unconditional Other Acceptance, Unconditional Self-Acceptance, Unconditional Life Acceptance, and then the hula hoop. I love the hula hoop metaphor because the only thing we have control over is that what's, what's, what's in our hula hoop. That's it. My thoughts, my opinions, uh, my body, my mind, but everything a, else is... We spend a, a lot of time in other people's hula hoops, though, don't we? Well, there's the thing, hell is other people, but as we know, especially with addictions, to get better, you need a community. Mm. So it's a very fine line between invading someone's hula hoop and being a community of hula hoops. Right. It's living within your own hula hoop and uh, respecting the boundary or the mutual respect line of other people's hula hoops. Mm -hmm. So if you'd like to get those uh, templates, by all means, email me, redroofrecovery at gmail.com. If you would like to be a guest on the program, email me at redroofrecovery at gmail.com. Lancelot would really like to have a break. Give me a day off. <laughs> and if you or someone you know thinks that you might qualify for my unique one-week residential recovery program in Canada's prettiest town of Goddard, Ontario, then by all means, email me at redroofrecovery at gmail.com. I want to thank um, my beautiful husband for your continued encouragement and support. Okay. I've I got nothing you. but time now. Thank you, and I really, really like you, too. Yeah, that's good. And I want to thank you for being here, spending 30 minutes of your day with us. It's an integral part of my recovery journey to know that you're there and what we actually say sometimes resonates with you. I want to thank Diane. She makes my day. I tell you, she's uh, talk about my avid fan. She says, um, each program is very helpful to me and my personal development and working on vulnerabilities. Uh, I need your wisdom and voice. I just love hearing that. If, uh, you know, if everything I do is just to help one person, then it makes it all worth it. So thank you for being here. It means everything. Um, some shameless self-promotion, huh? I've written a couple of books. Uh, one is called Mindful Wisdom from My Philosopher Dad, Sage Advice from a Single Father. My father was an extraordinary man. He was a single dad back in the 60s, struggling with his own addictions. And I jokingly and lovingly called him Philosopher Dad because, thankfully, he was an avid reader of Stoicism and lots of ancient wisdom. And he used to spew some philosophy every time I went to him with a problem. So I used to say, what do you got today, Philosopher Dad? So this is, uh, he deserves a legacy of great men, great, greatness, and this was my way of doing that. I had hoped to do it before he died from Alzheimer's. It didn't happen. So that's one. And then during the pandemic, I decided to do number two. I'm going, I'm going to probably maybe do a Philosopher Dad series. This one uh, helped me with my own sanity and sobriety through the pandemic, and it's called Daily wisdom from my philosopher dad, some inspiration to guide your days, because journaling has been 
um, a crucial component of my recovery as well. So I've set this up like a journal. You can go to each day, look at the inspirational message, and then I would like you to contemplate that message and then set your intentions for the day. I find that um, our words are very powerful. I talk about the power of words all the time and how we're using our language. And then the power of written words is absolutely magical and life transformational. It certainly has been for me in my recovery journey, and I hope it will be for you as well. So they're also available at Finchers in the Square in Canada's prettiest town of Godrich, Ontario. So come for a trip to Godrich and buy my books. You can get them on Amazon.ca as well. Remember to talk to yourself like you talk to your best friends. May the force be with you. And remember, you are the force. <laughs>